Once I've learned to switch off, I switch off. Like for right now, like I'm, I'm gonna get ready for to go to training camp in Ethiopia, and I'll, I'll be there six to eight weeks, and it's basic. You know, you you got roof over your head. There might be no cold, hot water uh, to shower. Uh, the food's basic. But then on the other side, in sorry, I've got this nice, lovely house. Uh, got my family, got my kids, and I could easily sit back and go, I'm all right. I've won four medals. I can sit back. No, I want more. I want to go out there and put in the work, and I have to put in the work. If I don't put in the work, I cannot not put the work in. I have to. And put that mileage in, 120 week and week out. I'm weird, I'm addict. When I say I'm addict. <laughs> that is the real life Superman, super athlete, superhuman being, Sir Mo Farah. And this is the How to Wow podcast. More from Mo in a moment. But first, on today's episode, I would like to direct you to a few things that I think you'll find interesting, entertaining, funny, instructive and useful, if not necessarily in that order. The first of these is a website entitled Zen habits that is zen habits a veritable gold mine of modern wisdom which i've recently become addicted to now this is a not paid for mention i just want you to get this into your life i think it's i think i think you'll love it just google zen habits it's all there for you 13 years worth of quietly collected and composed wisdom for a better life and it's totally free but ironically priceless and uncopyrighted by its creator leo babuata so something being uncopyrighted is a thing you can copyright things but you can specifically uncopyright them to send out the message that anybody can use anything here for free forever and that's what leo's done you could literally read one blog of leo's ongoing masterpiece for the rest of your life and you wouldn't have to read a single other word to help you practice a better life on a day-to-day -day basis how about these top of his blogs just for starters peaceful simplicity how to live a life of contentment the four laws of simplicity and how to apply them to life the Cure for What Ails You, How to Beat the Misery of Discontentment, A Guide to Cultivating Compassion in Your Life with Seven Practices, Nine Steps of Achieving Flow and Happiness in Your Work, 10 Simple Ways to Live a Less Stressful Life, 15 Tips for Becoming as Patient as Job, 12 Practical Steps for Learning to Go with the Flow, Calm as a Monk, How Equanimity Can Save Your Sanity, The Many Paths to Simplicity, The Magical Power of Focus. And that's just for starters, there are literally hundreds of them on there. Seriously, get into Zen Habits and get Leo into your life. You will not regret it. Plus, check out Leo's story on the Tim Ferriss Show podcast, episode 488. It's fascinating. It will 100% enrich your life experience. Trust me, Leo is the man. And my second recommendation this week is a simply spellbindingly erudite account of the current thoughts of Sam Harris. In a one-off special episode of his podcast, The Brilliant Making Sense, podcast episode 229. So Making Sense is the name of the podcast, Sam is the man, and this is episode 229. Now, I'm not saying you'll agree with everything he has to say in his own personal State of the Nation address, but why would you only want to listen to people you agree with anyway? And by the way, he posted this most prescient of podcasts just a few days before the recent Mad on Capitol Hill. I would say if you have a spare hour, it's a must listen this one. That's episode 229 of the Sam Harris Making Sense podcast available now for free. 
And finally this week in our not paid for mentions, just because I want you to know about this stuff, two books for you that I reread over the Christmas holidays that you might want to introduce to your 2021 lockdown 3.0 bookshelf. The first is Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the second is The Four Hour Work Week by the aforementioned Tim Ferriss. Both have been out for a good few years now, but both remain essential reading in my humble opinion. For those of us who are always looking for useful and accessible self improvement takeaways right now back to sir mo farah cue the conversation how are you mo oh all right chris how are you I'm awesome, and I, I'm so excited about talking to you, and I'm so glad you were at the dentist, because guess what I did for the hour that I had spare? I just heard you went for a run. I went for a run! You've done more than me. <laughs> How cool is that? It's, it's like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm waiting to interview Mo Farah, and I go for a run. Why the heck not? How was the dentist? <laughs> it was all right. It wasn't pleasant. It, I had to put up with it, but... Yeah, well, I had, I had to go into my teeth and numb and, yeah, the whole lot. Hang on I took some pictures to show my kids. They say, don't eat too many sweets. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about, you know, it wasn't pleasant, right? When it comes to things not being pleasant, you are the man. So so how does the, the pain, the most pain you've experienced in a race compare to going to the dentist? How come you can't, you can't, can't compartmentalise the fear, the, the trauma of going to the dentist like you can when you're running? It's different. When you're running, it's what you put in what you get out of. So if you work hard and, you know, you've done everything you need to do in, in the race, you just have to keep fighting going through. But sitting at the dentist, you sit in that chair and someone's got a drill, something else, there's a lady right next to him passing him stuff, just going into your tooth. You have no control of what's happening. In racing, it's totally different. You're in control of it and you know it and you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Keep driving. It's funny though, isn't it, that you can't transfer one skill to something else that might benefit from a similar skill because it's not the same. It has to be the same. Yeah, it's, it's different. I do struggle in diff, complete lot of different areas, but I guess we all struggle in different things, and you've got to find that one thing that you know we don't struggle at and keep working hard towards that because I guess everybody out, everyone out there in the world are, are good at different things, but. It would otherwise it'd be better in the world, wouldn't it? If everyone was as good at just one thing, like like Chris Evans, the radio. Well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see in the next hour or so. So I want to talk to talk to you about the Zen of Mo, the Zen of Mo Farah. Do Do you feel Zen ever? Yes, you do. It's just you know, I I enjoy what I do. That's just me. I just enjoy what I do, and a lot of people are surprised to see how what you put in and and how much mileage you put in and what what you've won over the years and but it's the same thing as the game Chris we have to find that that one thing that drives us that thing one thing we enjoy and you know in that in that happy place we say that in that good place where you feel relaxed just be you <laughs> just for you it's so funny because you, you know you, you talk about find the happy place and find the drive but drive sometimes comes from places that aren't mm -hmm. so happy and i know you've talked about your childhood and, you, and your adversity uh you know and coming over to here to the to the uk for, from africa um and i was really intrigued to, to in the research for this interview mm -hmm. for this chat to 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 discover the fact that tanya was 
drawn to you because you were always so happy. You were always laughing. You're always finding the fun in life. Tell, just tell me about that period <laughs> of your life and, and what you were thinking and what you were feeling. Yeah, that, that's just me. I've all, I'm always up for laughing. As I said, like growing up for me, you know, I don't take anything for granted. Everything I've done, you know, through hard work and you can achieve it. But, you know, I was a young boy who, you know, came to the UK and, 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 and seeing a different lifestyle, different thing, and just made most of it. You know, for me, the ch hardest thing is not having people understand you. And that's one thing, you know, over the years is, is lucky, you know, I've had sports to be able to visit different countries, to go different places, to make me understand more and, and engage with other people. That, well, That's one thing I do struggle, but I, that never slowed me down or made me upset. I was just being me and always out for laugh and, and just always smiling away because, you know, you just do what you can and that's all you can do. And, and I guess when I met Tanya early, in my career, we went to the same school together, so we grew up together, and I guess that's what drove her. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. And did, when you came over here, were you so happy because your life had been so hard before? So did you find happiness here, or did you bring your happiness with you? No, I, I brought my happiness, and I think it's just we're all born different. And uh, I look at my kids now, I've got twin girls, uh, my name Asia, beautiful. They are twins. But they're so, so different. And I look at them and I stare at them times and one of them will be talking, the other one will be doing. And, and one of them has always been silly and rolling around, just doing crazy things, but she's always laughing. And, and the other hand, the other one, Amani, she's so serious. She doesn't want to be late. She just <laughs> like doing her work. And she finds the other ones like, how come you haven't done that? And I guess they just, they're just different. So funny, isn't it? Because we've got twins. We've got two-year-old twins, yeah. Walt and Boo, and they're exactly the same. <laughs> Walt is Walt is a laugh a minute, yeah. right? He's so rough and tumble. And Boo, it's, it's the same, steely serious. You know, she she gives me a better death stare than my wife. <laughs> You're in trouble, you know? Then. Yeah. I know, what's all that about? So so there is, you know, there's gene and environment, but there's this innate innateness of all of us, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So when, when, you, when you were younger, when you would say, you know, yet to, to reach 10. Yeah. Did you, because I know you love football. You, lo you love football more than running as a kid, didn't I you? Did, Definitely. I did, I did, 100%. 100%, 100%. Um, did you excel at football? Did you, could you feel that you were particularly good at running? What What's it like to be to be given a gift, you know, from wherever, who knows wherever, mm -hmm. naturally? And obviously you've had to work on it a lot. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But what what is it? Are you aware of the fact that you have something special when you're that young? No, you don't. You, you're not aware of till you get 16, uh, 17 at that age. And I, I look at my oldest daughter now, Rihanna, she's 15. And you see, you kind of, as a parent, I guess, if we push our kids in one direction, they, they're going to hate it anyway. That's what I think I've realised. And, and having four kids, is, you, you learn a lot along the way. But you've got to find that thing they're good at and kind of stir it into it, if that makes sense. Don't go straight into it because they're going to hate it. And for me, I was one of that kids where, you know, my living with my aunt at the time and my, my family were quite strict. You wasn't allowed out. You wasn't doing many things. So in a way, having having like a sports or joining an athletic club got me out of the house. So I was kind of really appreciate I, I did that. But then at that point, when I was younger, I didn't even think 
I could run. It was just a way of, you know, getting out of the house, going to training ground and just having a laugh. <laughs> and at that point, I just wanted to play football. And honestly, I watched Match of the Day all the time. I clicked football stickers, you know, favourite team in the Premier League and you go through and you're swapping with the kids. That's all we saw and all I was ever wanted to do is just play football. But looking back in that football, yeah, I, I, had, I was good at running. I could run along the wing, cross the ball. But that's all I had. I had nothing else. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a footballer. No, you don't. Because you've got to read the game. You've got to understand. You've got to find that kid who's so talented, but also can understand. And the same thing in, in for, you know, throughout my career in running, where over the years, you learn along the way. You kind of understand. You know what it takes. You know how much money to put in. You know when to ease down. You know you've got to get fit, stronger. There's things that you have to understand, and you, you along the way, you just kind of understand, take it in, take it in, and you make mistakes. You understand, and and you get that feeling of winning, losing, coming third, not making a final, but then you have to also have that drive, that belief, and and I think a lot of lot of athletes out there do kind of struggle in many in different areas where you know they are the fastest, they are the strongest, but going into race having that pressure. It's difficult. Not everybody deal with it. And I think with my character, how laid back I am, <laughs> it helps me able to, to get the best out of myself. Yeah, you, could, you have that beautiful combination of being laid back, but also being able to be extremely focused. Yeah. And that's pretty rare. And I would imagine pretty useful because that allows you to sort of to build up gradually this sort of this foundation mm -hmm. of, of ability and strength and stamina, which I know you didn't realize you needed for a while. <laughs> but then something you can tap into and it's it's different it's like you know can, can you train to run a marathon or can you train to be fit enough to always run a marathon and there's a difference it's different there. it's there's way different yeah and 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 also how we deal with it you could get through it every day and dum dum but then to run a marathon at that key you have to be asking so much and you have to be able to you know keep working but it's, it's a short period as you said like that's different it's long term where you're going to keep running marathon all the time. But then there's that one marathon, can you, and you put in that work for this amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, in the decades that you've been around, so you're in your 30s now, so your fourth decade. Let's, yeah. let's, can you... <laughs> We're still way younger than me, um, but you are catching me up, so be careful. Look, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder <laughs> for Mo Farah to catch me up. That's hilarious. Well, at least you went for running. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> So between you, between being ten and say twenty, so in your teens, what was the single yeah. biggest realization and/or change that, that that you experienced then? Would you say was it was it the Teddington experience of moving in with the Kenyans, or was it something happened that before that? No, I think w w w the main thing that helped me change and to understand was being able to, you know, understand it, not understand, just kind of work it out a little bit, like to see. Moving with the Kenyans, as you said, in Teddington, living in the same house, seeing what they do day in, day out. And then there's you going down there with your mates, going for food, going to the curry house, just doing all kind of stuff, coming back 11.30, yeah, maybe midnight, bit PlayStation. And then saying, oh, this is what I do. This is what they do. It's easy to work out. Like, <laughs> I wonder why I'm not running as good as them, because... All they're doing is eat, sleep, train. There's nothing else. And you, and you question yourself as you go. And, and, and it's important that you be honest to yourself because it's not about not being honest because it's, it just comes down to you. It's not football where you go, 
11 men on the pitch and you have a bad game, um, but so-and-so is going to cover you, so-and-so is going to cover you, you covered as a team and, and you work as a team. Running is about individual, is you putting in the work and, you know, the coach and other people is there to guide you, but really it comes down to you. And at that point I was like looking and going, uh, well, let's be honest, I'm never going to beat these guys, am I? But if they're doing this, what do I need to do? Do I want it enough? And then making that changes. So how? So how? Just for people who don't know, so you, so you're running around Richmond, you're training in Richmond Park, you're in your teens, and you see the famous Kenyans hanging around, and then you find out they're staying in a flat in Teddington, and you do you knock on their door and ask, kind of, you know, room for a small one? What do you do? <laughs> uh, excuse me, do you speak any English? Can I? Is it possible to move in? I, w- I could have done that as a kid because I was one well, that kid's cheeky, just you know, I was out for love, but. It was, I was lucky, you know, my agent looked after them, um, a lot of the Kenyans at the time in Teddington, and often the Kenyans, uh, the people not familiar to, to the area, is in the summer, they would come from um, to Kenya, to the UK, and then when they based themselves in the UK, and what they want to do in the UK is stay for five or six weeks and find races in Europe. Because when, you, when you're in the centre of Europe, it's easier to travel. So often that's why they came in the summer and they would go into, before it used to be the Golden League, where they go Rome, uh, Berlin... Uh, Zurich and and different different races throughout and you got a combination of you know fifteen hundred meters runners uh, five thousand ten thousand and some cross country so in that my agent would look after them and in the summer I'll see them all the time Richmond Park Bushy Park just zooming past and I'll be on my bike and I was like oh god there's the Kenyans there's the Kenyans <laughs> and they all to me they all look the same because they're wearing do you remember back in the days where they used to wear I think I can't even I can't say I won't say the the name of it. But they used to wear one kit yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see them. You, you couldn't miss them. Yeah. One by one by, and then one come by. And at that point, uh, I lived at Severus. I went to university there. Never finished a degree or started. So I lived there for, anyway, three years. <laughs> and then uh, over time, I was just like, look, I can't do this. I, I got injured and I was just like, I need to change something. Something is not right. And, and then my age, it was like... Um, how about if you move to the Kenyans and you, at least you understand bit? It didn't. It didn't push me. You just right. said, "Yeah, you could move in there. There's space there. Small little room. You get your own room, and they're all sharing the rooms." And so I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll pay a bit of rent." And then moved in there, and that's when I had a like wake up call where I all I saw them eating together, playing a little game, watching running videos, and looking back and going. Yeah, look, that race I felt like this, and they're all speaking Swahili, which is their their language. And then a lot of the, most of them do speak English. And um, I remember John Kubowen at the time was explaining to me and say to me, this is what you need to do, this way. And even you had Daniel Komen at the time. Many people don't realise, but Daniel Komen still has the world record, 3,000 metres. Uh, I believe it's like um, 720, which is, I think, 345, 1,500 metres back to back. Wow. So it still stood to this Amazing. day. And so being around these guys, because you were having fun, you, you were gamifying your life. You're going out, you're training in the day, uh, but you're going out with your mates at night. They were they were in bed at eight, eight you said 8.15 latest, and then you'd go yeah, bowling latest. or go for, a, you know, a McDonald's or whatever. Curry or... Yeah, or a curry house or whatever. Not every night, but some nights. Um, yeah, and, some and nights. And what you yeah. realised over time you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, is that they were gamifying running. So they were having fun with running. And mm-hmm. you thought, well, I can run and then I can have fun. And you thought, oh, no, the secret is you've got to make running the fun. 
Yeah, you got to make running fun, and and it's one of these running. There's no hiding. You you put in the work, and you, it will pay off as long you know you tactically get the races right. It will pay off. It might not pay a first year, second year, but it will pay off. And over time, I just realised these guys are working hard and putting in work, and they enjoy running. What can you do? And then I was like, what do I need to do? And then they invite me to go to Kenya. Went to Kenya, train with them, and then just finding the whole experience of high altitude training. You know, you train up in the mountains. Uh, 8,000 feet above sea level, 10,000, and then you come back to sea level, you, f you, you feel good, great. And, and it does work. And that's why you see that East Africa particularly are so good at long distance because they're up in, in the mountains for so long and their lungs and get used to it. So when they come back to sea level, it makes it easier. But running, it's like changing. Running, I find it is a way of me enjoying myself. And I, and I guess I do generally enjoy it when I'm fit and, and in great shape. I enjoy it and that's I don't feel it's like my job or what I do I've I find it something that it's relaxing and something you know makes me happy it's weird to say that well it makes me happy too and I've already been running a few years well shuffling is what I do but I'm, <laughs> I feel exactly the same way you know you, you could have come to me 10 years ago and somebody would have been um you expect an interview at 11. Somebody says, well, they're not ready till 12. First of all, I definitely get the hump 10 years ago. No doubt about that. And yeah. then I'd be like, what do I do now? <laughs> and and this morning, it's like, great, I'll go for a run. You know, and I feel fantastic. So I completely concur from a diff different perspective, but the same kind of vibe. Yeah, it's that vibe. It's just finding that relaxed, that what that makes you happy. And in a way for me, if I don't run first thing in the morning, a little bit grumpy, a little thing, and then it goes towards like end of the, end of the day and you're like, I need to run, I need to run, I need to run. And once you run, get that run out of the way, you feel yeah, relief. Yeah. It's not because you feel pressure. It just feels, you just feel relief yourself. Yeah. It's weird. It's like, I've been, I've been coaching my wife, Tanya, for a little while now, and she ran like a couple of half marathons, decent. And, and over time, she started off doing, you know, hurdles, javelin, and I think it was 200 meters, and, and her Teflon. And you can see her, and she's like, I'm ne I'll never be able to run half marathon. I'll never be able to run 10K. Oh, and 5K was the fairest. So we did the 5K at Bushy Park years ago. Like, I think I'm, talk I'm talking about 2011. So she did that 5K, Bushy Park, you know, park run. She did well. And over the years, she's seen me put in the work and see it. And, you know, I've kind of driven her and also helping her guide. And she's run a couple of half marathons, 5K, and... She's enjoying it, and and some days she doesn't she doesn't run. She feels like, you know, I need to run. It's yeah. just that relief. Yeah. You know, we got to use our energy towards something. Well, you know, the, the more they say, the more you give, the more you get. But you, and it's the same with energy. You know, but if you if I'm tired now, and this is such a counter thing to ten years ago, if I'm tired now in the day, I will go for a run, and it will energize me. And I always thought it was the other way around. No, it does energize it, and also it gives you a lift. You, you've done something and no one has made you because you feel like doing it. And, and I guess also, Chris, what you find out, I'm talking about the next step. When you find in like you're in great shape and you, you're aiming towards something, it's more, it's, it's more enjoyable because you, you're testing yourself and you, and you keep doing bits by bit and, and you race and you know where you are and then you look back, you're like, I could have done, done a bit more. 
and the next step to do the next half marathon or marathon. And when you're in great shape, you, you actually do enjoy it. Yeah, you love it. You love it. And there's this spring in your legs that you've never felt before. And you think, what's this? It's, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like being on an <laughs> e-bike as opposed to a normal bike, but they're, they're your legs. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and there you're talking about gamifying it again. And you're talking about a scorecard, aren't you? Because it's, it's useful to introduce into your running and into your life, actually, is it various scorecards that, that help you compare one day from the next. And I know we'll talk about journaling later as well, if you don't mind, but I know that as part of your yeah. journaling, you not only record, you know, how you felt and what went wrong on bad days, but it's more important to, to record what went well on good days, which is often easy to forget because you're so happy you don't really care. But in a way, long-term, that's more useful than, than recording what went wrong, what went right. Yeah, no, definitely. You've got to write every, everything. And for me, uh, often, yeah, when, when I'm in training camp or... Um, more details I'll, I'll do I will write down how fast I went how did I feel uh, where was it what was the high um, and then the travel and, and everything else I'll try and make details and I try and remember them good parts as well because that's what you have to remember when you're going through a bad patch you can't remember you can say it all because often people say oh I get all these sorts of comments all the time where people go oh man I did good session three days ago but then I did try to do another session and went horribly wrong and you're like, and then they beating themselves up for it. Yeah. And then you're like, mate, what could change in five days? Nothing. It means your body's a bit more tired. So take a couple of more days easy and then get back into it. Try again yeah. at some point. Because it just is another way of us saying, our body saying, I've had enough. I can't do it. I can't cope. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And there's that great... Um a philosophy of ask yourself better questions. You know, when you hit, when you hit a bump mm -hmm. in the road, ask yourself better questions, which will give you more useful answers. Yes, yeah, so rather than going, I can't do it, no. And then, you know, get upset. And you learn along, but that's what you've got to do. The Kenyans, when, often when I raced them and they had a bad race and you beat them or they came and was like, how was the race? Oh, what race? Oh, I was done, just finished. I couldn't have tired. There's no worries. Like, they move on. They move on as quick as they can. Yeah, yeah. You learned so much from those guys, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. So, so much, yeah. Beijing, let's talk about Beijing. So Beijing, you you, you, you knew you were as, as good, as fit as you could have been, as prepared as you could have been, but you were devastated um, at your performance. Uh, I watched the post-race interview yet <laughs> last night, actually. I was crying, wasn't I? Was I crying? You weren't crying, <laughs> but you, you, were, you were gutted. You were broken because you, you sort of, yeah. in a way, um, and understandably, you couldn't understand what had just happened because you thought you were in such... Not better shape than you were, but you thought you'd be more competitive than you were. But you were so yeah. off the pace and you just weren't ready for it. Yet, uh, then two years later in Barcelona, when you came you came third and you were still, you, yeah, you were still beaten, but you, you smiled because you thought, no, because I, I now know what I've got to do. Whereas before, you weren't aware that there was anything to be done. Yeah, no, Barcelona was different for me. Barcelona was the European Championship in 2010. And... Yeah, so I, I won a double. So I went in the 10,000 metres, won the 10,000, and then came back in the, and, and won, the, uh, sorry, the 10,000 first, and then came back, won the 5,000. And it was nice to do that. And I remember doing that. But before that, in 2000, sorry, 2008 was the Beijing, <laughs> I'm, I'm all mixing up. 2008 was the Beijing Olympics. And I was such a great shape. I was training with uh, Moses Kipsiro, who is a guy from Uganda, and I was beating him in sessions. And it was like three weeks before, uh, before the Olympics. And I was in such a great shape. And then we went into training camp 
in uh, I believe it was Macau, uh, where we kind of all the GB team stayed together, and I was training and and I was looking back at everything what I did wrong, did I train right, um, did I do did I overtrain, did I did I put on a bit more weight? You you as an athlete you have to ask every question, and you have to understand what went wrong and, and narrow it down, and that's what I did. I narrowed down and. Surely I can't get unfit in there. So that was not it. Did I work too hard? Maybe. Did I gain a little bit of weight? A little bit. But then to, to not be able to do that, it was, did I just put too much pressure on myself? Did I just, when it came into pressure, did I just didn't, couldn't do it? And you have to be honest. And I, and I came back and I was like, at the end, I just, you know, it was hard to know exactly, but how I felt, it's not like I didn't give anything. I gave it most, but there was no changing gear. There was no, there was no, I just didn't have that. I just didn't have it. When they kicked the last lap, I was thinking, stick behind, keep going. I know I can keep up towards that. And then they just changed. And now I, I, I run 68 that lap. And I felt like I run 54. <laughs> so it was a big difference. <laughs> I was going all out and I couldn't. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I didn't even make it. And there was quite a bit of pressure on me in terms of, as an athlete and sh uh, to sh uh, what I showed early season was to make the final. And by far right, I should have made the final, but I didn't. I just had a bad day. And then looking back, I was just looking back in my diary, thinking back, and it was hard to think, but Mike just done overcooked it a little bit. And secondly, Mike just not been in the right frame of mind in thinking, yeah, I'm excited. I'm at the Olympics. Can't get any bigger than this. I made it. Have I made it? No, you haven't. It's just the Olympics. You do go to Olympics. And you've got to find that difference between athlete. Certain athlete would love to just go to the Olympics and the other athlete will go Olympics and, you know, win medals and continue to fight. And some people might, might be really disappointed, uh, you know, to not make the final or make the final and are still be disappointed because they want to get close to a medal. And you've got to find some athletes in their ability to see, yeah, they're, they're not the best of the best, but at the same time, they could, that's all, they, they got to, to the highest. Yeah. They took, you know, they, and that's what, we all have to find that place where we think we could do that, but go and be on and push. But it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. It, and I, I, that felt, how I felt, and that feeling I had, I told myself that, well, I'm never going to let that happen again. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do everything that I can in terms of, you know, coming back in four years' time. And, and making the final win a medal. That was my target from there. And I, I remember coming back home, Tanya, I, I was depressed. Uh, I was, wasn't was talking as much. And for weeks, and Tanya was thinking, oh, she'd never seen me like that before. I came back and she'd been happy, but she knew I wanted more. And I, 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 my ability to be able to, I should have, but I didn't. Nobody can take you there. You just had a bad day. Well, um, but it's it's fantastic to hear firsthand that story. And, of course, then you thought, I need an extra gear. And then um, Alberto said, well, you need two, actually. You need one for the kick for the final lap, and then you need another kick for the last 100 metres. So if you had four gears, you need fifth, and then you need overdrive. Is that basically <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it did, yeah. Over time, you know, as, as I said, like when I moved to the US with my training and everything else, training did change a bit. And... 
it made you more understand what you needed to do, how you have to be able to, if you want to beat these guys, this is what they need to do, what, and, and they keep working on speed, endurance, everything else. And then thinking, never forget one point where he said, you know, you could win a medal. You could win a world, you could win a gold medal, world championship. If you keep put, keep putting the work, keep going. And then that was the next step. I was like, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Okay. And then going into the Daegu uh, Championship, the World Championship. Um, and as an athlete, over the years, you know, you understand athletes, you see athletes, you know, as, a, as, as myself. And I, every athlete is aware of, of me and what I'm capable of. And it's the same thing as you. You have to be aware of each athlete and, and work it out tactically what they're going to do, where they're going to be, and then get in a race. And, and then keep looking over your shoulder, see where they are. Who, who who's left? Have I, have I have I done? You know, have I get rid of so and so? How many is left? Um, what what's my what can I do it and position yourself? And at that point, I was thinking, no, I never heard of Jayland, this guy called uh, from Utopia, and I got rid of Merga, and there was another guy I got rid of, and I was like, yeah, nothing, just keep going, and then this guy just comes middle of nowhere, dum dum, and I never get you know when I talk to the coach, he was like, make sure you have something left towards the end. I was like, nah. I got them and went for it, and somebody came right past me, and I couldn't. I couldn't change gear. I couldn't. And then he taught me, okay. And then they're five thousand, more than five thousand. But I think if I didn't have that race in the world championship in Daegu, I, w- I would have never won Olympics in London. Yeah, and it was it was different. Your po- yeah, your post race interview after that was entirely different, wasn't it? That was like I know what yeah. I got to do. I've been here before. It's not as bad as before. But there's no. a missing piece of the jigsaw, but I know there was a jigsaw. I know it's incomplete, yeah. and there's only one piece left, and I think I have an idea what that might be. Yeah. And so that was a whole different ball game. Completely different. And that's one thing you have to understand. And you, you have to be honest with yourself. It's not point going to say, oh, yeah, I couldn't beat that guy, could I? No, he, just, he was just too... You have to say, yeah, obviously, nobody likes to lose, you know, and you don't want to be that sore loser. You go, yeah, I, yeah, I, I got be in. Uh, but you have to understand why you got me and what could you do how's it possible and, and, and work it out and, and next time if it did happen what were you going to do and it's funny isn't it because again if you if you then loop back to being a kid you know um, back in Debati or in, in Richmond or Teddington did you ever think of yourself in the weight room pumping weights in the next five <laughs> years no because at that, that age you know Growing up for us, it was this, you know, it's what you hear. We were told, you know, in, in, particularly in UK coaches, and, 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 and not naming anyone, but like Africans, you never be able to beat the Africans. These guys are so good. You don't want to do weights because you bulk up and you don't want to do too much mileage because what you do, you burn out. So that's all I've heard as a junior, you know, through, through, through different coaches and stuff like that. So you're always kind of a bit more cautious. And, and by right, you you have to educate the younger kids and, and make them understand. But you can't tell them that's not possible. You know, you have to give them, it's possible, keep working and, 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 and keep encouraging them. So at that point, I, I kind of learned a lot uh, just and, and understood a bit. And then when I learned to see the Kenyans, how hard they work and what was possible, you're like, yeah. And then keep keep keep, keep learning. And I think as a kid, as I said, like, you know, there's a lot of people who do look up to me and, and look up uh, look up other athletes and see what they do. And they want to do exactly the same thing as me, like younger kids, but it's important that tell younger kids, like, yeah, when you get to that age, then, yeah, you keep pushing a little bit 
and and keep you know keep breaking it down for them because at that point you as a kid you're, you just can't work it out it's just yeah, too yeah. much but then breaking it down no, for you them. need somebody else's brain don't you to help you with your own body um and what's interesting and you've talked about this before is the fact that and other people have written books about this before that you know if you come second by let's say a yard or a meter in a really important race or yeah. any race and and you're not you know you you didn't collapse with exhaustion before the line there is an argument to say that you didn't give it your all and and one of the yeah. it, it's an extraordinary thing isn't it psychologically cuz cuz you know why 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 doesn't everybody who doesn't come first why aren't they why haven't they collapsed on the track because they otherwise they wouldn't have given it they're all it's easy for me to say but you've been there and yeah, yeah. You, it's been said of you that you are willing literally to kill yourself on the track and that's why on your day you are unbeatable yeah you've got to you got to you always i'm one of the believer you always more that you always got more than what you think you have without doubt but then it's you digging in deep and finding that and there's there has been at times where you know claps on the line and there's nothing left and you get carried off. Um, but you've got to believe yeah. that because you have to. To beat these guys, you've got to have something different. You have to be able to, you know, you have to believe you've done more work than he has because when you line up, you're like, as you're going to beat me. I've done more work than you. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you done that? And, and take everything. And that's what gives me the confidence and the yeah. belief. And even from my younger age, you know, uh, early on before I worked worked out how to win races often I would go into a race and if I in the race as long as I pushed hard at some point and felt that pain it was okay because I, I pushed myself to that pain at some point during the race it could be like in the mid race it could be like you know maybe sit one lap to go and came 8th or ninth, and you crossed the line you're like yeah I went hard so hard at that point uh, yeah, I definitely should be satisfied because I couldn't done any more. I went hard. Yeah, you did go hard, but it's been a bit more smart about it. And that's what I've learned throughout my career. Yeah, being smart and use it towards the end to win something, not in that. But I'm one of these guys, when I'm lined up, I'm always going to give it 110%. And that's all we can do. And there's, there's a progression through your career of shots of you on the starting line where you begin to look like you've won the race on the starting line yeah. as opposed to having to wait till the finish line. <laughs> and that's a notable change. You know, you're blowing kisses to the camera, holding your hands up, telling yeah. the crowd to cheer. And that's, that's all strategy, is it? Or is, does it become more natural after a while or what? No, it's, it's part of it. It's what I enjoy. It's what I see. And I felt like, you know, at times you go in a race, you have to look in the athletes in eye and look at them and go, you haven't done this. <laughs> you haven't done that session. I've done that session without being arrogant, arrogant yeah, yeah. and saying like, to them, you know, yeah, yeah, do you know I what I mean? Know what like, oh. It's just that confidence and that feeling that, like, Chris, you listen, you woke up this morning at six o'clock, you've been on the radio and you went out for a run and you come out and you're like, how do you feel? You've done that work. And then how do I feel now? First thing in the morning, I woke up early, just, just paperwork or whatever I was doing and then I come back in and I haven't done what I needed to do. And we're both standing there. That's how I see us, and that's what the confidence comes from. Yeah, it's, and, it, and then you get with that confidence, you get flow, don't you? And with flow, you get you, you get to be able to tap into your ability when and as you need it, and, and you have more control over 
everything, I suppose. There's that great, the, 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 um, I can't remember when it happened. I think it was Carl Lewis and the 85% rule. You know, you train 125%, yeah. you run at 85%. And if you run at 85%, you'll get to right. 100%. But if you set off at 100%, you'll end up burning out, you yeah. know, three quarters of the way through the race. You will. You will. And that's being patient and understanding and not panicking. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm loving this chat mode, by the way. <laughs> It's so cool. Um, So you as a coach, you're talking about your inner voice there. You're talking about your journaling. You're talking about changing from coaches that are more narrow-minded to to coaches that are more open-minded. But you mentioned you coaching Tanya. So for people listening, what are you like as a coach? If we hire you as a coach for a 5K, what are you going to tell us, Mo Farah? Well, I I enjoy it. And I think you have to find that coach that enjoys and believes in you. I think that that's the biggest difference. And and something that, you know, I've done myself where, you know, I finally got my coaching license where I can coach. And it's something that I want to do. And and it's really important to find that coach that wants to do, not the coach that you're coaching him. And yeah, he's getting a bit of money, he's getting us. I think you have to believe in this. You have to believe in the running. You have to understand the running. And I think over the years, one thing I understood and, you know, I went from, you know, my coach early on, Alex McGee at the club when I was 14, 15. And then went from um, Conrad Milton early on as age. And then went Alan Story. Uh, and throughout your career, you know, it's people who contribute towards your career. It wasn't just one coach who go, you go, dumb, he's there. It contributed and you helped, you understood. And, and for me, just taking a step back and, and thinking about it, coaching is not just where you set it a goal and say to them, you've got to need to run, Chris, you need to do today, you've done uh, whatever miles you've done, tomorrow you just have it easy. Next day, you just need to do K runs and fast as fast as you can and the next day. And keep on, coach is about understanding you and you and understand your, you know, your schedule. See, how, how are you? How are you feeling? Um, are you tired? Is a lot on your mind? What is it? And finding out your weak spot, your uh, your strongest spot, and and working around there, finding out what d- doesn't work for you, finding out what works for you, and, and working with you, and just kind of guiding you and giving you confidence. That's all I've been doing, really. And, and I think, God, that's really good because you kind of understand. You have to understand each individual. But you're so wise, Mo. For somebody who had such a sort of turbulent childhood, you know, and, and from a geographical point of view, from a family point of view, from a language point of view, even when you first came to the UK, and then an educational point of view, and then you wanted, thought you were going to be a footballer, but you didn't realise that you, you're one of the greatest, if not the greatest middle distance runners of all time. Uh, but you have this wisdom. So, so, and we, we're coming close to to finding out what it might be and I'm excited about the conversation so you have this wisdom and you talk about drive again and again and again you know and you're, what you're saying basically if I get if I understand correctly is that we all have the well but do we have the bucket okay some of us have the bucket right and some of our buckets are less rusty than others and some don't, don't have holes in at all but then we have different lengths of rope and it's like you got to go mm-hmm. deep you know and I want to know if you can tell me how how do you keep driving? Drive is one thing. Let's go digging. How do you keep digging as deeply as you can? Why? You know, when it hurts so much, when it's so difficult, when you're you're such a happy person in life, you've got a great family. You know, <laughs> there, there doesn't seem to be any desperation around you. You know, and and you can dig. You you've dug as deep as anyone I would imagine in life. You know, yet sometimes you've had to dip dig even deeper still where's yeah. that come from what is that about how does that feel at the time 
It's weird. I'm trying to still understand myself, and sometimes I do weird things because I'm just I'm just different. But then being different, it's okay. You know, we all find that. And I guess to me, I think a lot of it come from my upbringing, if that makes sense. I think early on, as it at my upbringing, what you've gone through, what you had to do, I think that teaches you values and and understand it and certain things. And so, if that wasn't hard, you know. That, that, that's I think that's I can only think that of that that's what you know got you to this place and then you going yeah do better keep doing better and, and keep 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 working but the, the okay with the wisdom then where does the wisdom come from where does the where because <laughs> you, you you have such uh, you seem to be so uh, stable is the wrong word peaceful tranquil at ease with things. Peaceful. I don't know. And you have this wisdom way beyond your years even now. And even with your experience, I'm astounded by it. Because, you, because you know, this has been a pretty much a lone journey for you. I know you have a fantastic wife and a fantastic been, family uh, yeah. now, but you were on your own for a long, long time. And it's as if you were brought up as, a, as some kind of Zen prodigy in a monastery on a mountain from the age <laughs> of three, but that wasn't the case. So where's it come from? Oh mate, um, I don't know. I, I I just I see that driving my son doesn't like losing doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I'm trying to work it out still and 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 understand. But it's probably a good thing <laughs> because once I've learned to switch off, yeah. I switch off. Yeah, yeah. Like for right now, like I'm I'm gonna get ready for to go to a training camp in Ethiopia, and I'll I'll be there six to eight weeks. And it's basic, you know, you, you got roof over your head, there might be no cold, hot water uh, to shower, uh, the food's basic, uh, there's not much internet. But then on the other side, and sorry, I've got this nice, lovely house, uh, got my family, got my kids, um, we, we're okay, they got backyard in the playground, they got swimming pool, they got jacuzzi, they got, they got a lot of stuff. And I could easily sit back and go, I'm all right. I've won four medals. I can sit back. No, I want more. I want to go out there and put in the work and I have to put in the work. If I don't put in the work, I, I, want, I want, yeah, I can't. I cannot not put the work in. I have to. And put that mileage in 120 week and week out, <laughs> keep work. You know. It just, I'm weird. I'm at it. When I say I'm at it. I love it. So you're about to go to training camp in Ethiopia now. So you're aware of what's ahead of you, but you're, you know, you're six months older than you were last time this happened. Um, does it always get more difficult? Was there a period of time when yeah. for five or 10 years when it was always the same because you were of a certain age, you know, how do you feel about what's ahead of you in the next couple of months? Yes, it's difficult. We're more closer than ever. And I guess I'm trying to make history. I'm trying to make something that's never been done before. As a long distance runner to win three Olympics back to back. It was very incredible. And I know the athletes I'm racing again. The question is, can I be able to go out there and put in the work and be smarter than them, do, have more than them? And, and that's what I think I'm asking myself. And I know, I know myself, all that saying, what I need to do, uh, how hard I need to work and, 10 times as harder than I ever did, but being that bit more smart. Right, so it is, so you are going to have to work harder? Yes, 100%. There's no question of that. 
And how, how will that manifest itself? How, how does Mo Farah work harder at a training camp than he has done before? Just being smart necessarily doesn't mean like you've got to kill yourself every day. It's just working harder and being a bit more smart and, 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 and understanding more. I think that's the key thing. I'm still understanding and knowing what's ahead of you. I've never had that in a life before. It's a question. You going into it, you going number one. Yeah, that's me. It's funny, isn't it? Because... Obviously, the Olympics has been put off not just a year, but a year and a bit now, uh, which obviously for, for the most justifiable reasons imaginable. However, that does not help your cause, does it? <laughs> <laughs> not really, no, but it's what it is. You know, is I, I know no one's got the experience as, a, as I have yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, let's talk about your family again and about when you fell over in, yeah. in Rio. And what I love about the lesson there and it's all about lessons with you isn't it it's all about okay what can I learn from that it's, and that's why it's so wonderful to talk to you so intimately because when you fell over in uh, the 10,000 meters in Rio you thought I have to get up because I've spent six months away from my family and I can't not get up because how can I how how dare I not get up and how dare I not try to win this race which you in fact of course did in the end um how uh, and be able to to justify to my family well you know I, okay i went away for six months but i fell over couldn't you see you said you had to get up and you had to win yeah yeah i, I had i had to um you know you got kids and, and you know kids ask a lot of questions and often we have to be you have to tell them the truth and you have to make them understand but in a way that you know it's not too hard on them and, and often you know I had my twin girls in London 2012 my oldest daughter's Rihanna she's old enough and my son was born 2015 so at, the, at that time I remember saying you know I won two Olympic medals because Armani and Asia you know the, was that year they were born 2012 they were born August just you know two weeks after the Olympics and I and what I did was I engraved their names on each of the medals so the first born was 10,000 men the first race that's Asia's Second born was Amani, 5,000 meters. And Rihanna asked me, it's like, Dad, are you going to win a medal? Or are you going to go next Olympics? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go for it. Are you going to win a medal for me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, I'll go for it. So at that point, felt like that, right. but without actually thinking about it. Yeah. And each year it came, I was like, I know what I promise. So it just, it just gave me something to work. And then I remember getting in a training camp uh, I was in, in, in France, south of France, and I was working, putting the mileage in. And in Rio, I've I've never been fitter. That was probably the fittest I've ever been in my career. Even in London, uh, I wasn't as fit as I was in Rio. So Rio, I was lean, I was fit, I was ready to go. I remember going 10 days beforehand doing this incredible session. And, and I remember sort of um, looking at Steve Cram, looking, I think he was there at the time. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to beat you. I don't know how they were going to beat you. And that just gave me next lift and going, he, did he just say that because of that session? So at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I was ready. And, and he's like, as long as something doesn't happen. And then, you know, straight into it, the race, boom. I think three laps into the race, I fall down. And at that point, I, I panicked. I was like, oh my God, race is over, done. And I was like, nah, can't let Rihanna down. Think about Rihanna, can we win our medal? Still early on, 
telling myself, telling myself, telling myself, psyching myself out, psyching myself out. And, you know, before you know it, it's five laps to go. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is my end. This is my territory. I've just done a crazy session, you know, 10 days ago. What, what are they going to run? They can't run the mile. I've run the last mile in uh, 12.56 in training. So what can I do? Can I, I can close it. And then cycle yourself out, getting through, getting through, getting through, and you get through it. And I come to last lap, you're like, yeah, they, they can't do it. I can do it. I know I can do it. <laughs> and then go on for it. That's how it was. And then cross the line. And at that point, I was like, I can't believe I did it. I can't believe it. And then I got really emotional about it. And then I was like, okay, Rihanna's done. But you know what? <laughs> one more. Hussein's, Hussein's probably going to ask you, it's like, Dad, where's my medals? They wouldn't look at that, go, come on. And that didn't put so much pressure as I suppose. I didn't put as much pressure as I as put myself as, as I normally do. I was like, listen, what will be, will be. You're fit. You're stronger. You're good. Remember? And then just got through it and, and won the race and thinking, yeah, just, you know, see what happened. And at that point, I never thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back again to defend my title. But you know what? That's definitely going to happen because in the, in the 10,000 minutes, I'm going to try and see if I can hang on to my medal and, and see if I can make history. That is the drive. Can I? But also, also, Question. also <laughs> yeah, you can and you will. Um, um, but also Tanya, you, you owe Tanya a medal. So that's your next, that's the next yeah, one, isn't there's it? A, there's a little pressure. I should know yeah, better, yeah. don't I? And then yeah. there's one, one more person left, Tanya. Yeah, you don't get one in the end. <laughs> nah, mate. They they got enough of me pictures or YouTube nowadays. You know everything's on YouTube, so kids are looking back and go. Ah. So so Tokyo didn't happen this year. Sorry, last year now, but it will happen this year. Let's imagine it did happen. Did you win? What was the race like? Oh, Chris, I just made history, didn't I? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> it's not going to be that easy. So. Um. Mate, I don't want to take, say anything, but at the same time, I know what I have to put in. And, and it's all about the keys, the next three months, the work I need to put in and how much load I have to do. So that, 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 that's the key. And, and I think the quicker I go to high actual training, get out here, and the quicker I can start piling in the work. Right, so you've got to say it's between, it's, it's between now and May is really important. It's the key. Yeah, so king. basically, wow, end of May, you've got June, July. July is going to be end of July. So it's right. not long at all. And, um, oh, God. Uh, so so when, you, when you agreed to run in Tokyo, when you decided to run in Tokyo to defend your 10,000, was the 5,000, would it have been an option at, at, in Tokyo once the 10,000 was over? Is that how it works? Or do you have to pre-register for it or pre-qualify for the 5,000 as well? Yeah, so you have to pre-register. So right. I would have had to go in 10,000 meters, whatever happens, and then go in the 5,000 meters, go through the rounds, and then qualify for the rounds, and then get in the final. Um, and it was a tough decision not to be able to double it because of, over the years I've, I've always doubled. Um, but it's about understanding you. It's like, what do you want to achieve? Right. It's not what everybody else wants you to do. What do you want? And then thinking... I'd love to be able to just have one medal. Don't worry about two, just one. Can I? Yeah. And that's a question. And sometimes we all, you know, get carried away with stuff and, and, and think and go, yeah, I could do it, I could do it. And ask, you don't need to do more than what you need it. Go for that one. And that's what I have. And I guess, as I said, 
I have stepped out that track for a couple of years where I've got focus in the marathon and I've enjoyed it. But marathon, I will be back and, and run the marathon and continue. But there's just something different about the marathon. I I miss being on the track and having a laugh. You see me smiling away, looking back, one of my lap to go. You know, just just because you, you're on that track short time and you got to make most of it and just enjoy it and get get the best get the most out of it. Yeah, it's, and it's a theatre, isn't it? You're in a theatre and it's just different when you're running a marathon on the streets. Yeah, it's different. You go through a different bad patch. I, I would not change anything. And obviously, I have run 205. And it was European record. Now it's broken. Still the British record. But to show 205 is okay, but need to run, you know, 203, 204, beyond. Yeah, yeah. So, this, so coming up to Tokyo this year, though, you'll definitely only be in the 10,000. There is no question about the 5,000 happening. No. That's just not, that's, that's there's 0% chance of that happening. There's not zero, but just knowing myself, there's a good chance I would not. I would just focus on one event. And when will be the cutoff time for that decision? I think the qualifying time we can get it from now is open till I think we have the trials in uh, maybe, is it May? I don't even know. I think in May we will have the trials. Right, but, you, but that's not, not on your radar whatsoever? No, no, no. I'm just taking one race at a time and one... Get it, I get it completely. All right, um, let's talk about food. Can we talk about food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know, I've told you this before, I think. So when I can see, when I even thought about shuffling for the first time, which is nearly 10 years ago now, I think. Um, yeah. I can't remember because I don't put a number on it, but it was, let's say it was between eight and 10 years ago. The f I was only allowed, I only allowed myself one Google because they didn't want to become a marathon bore. And so the, the only yeah. Google allow, I allowed myself ever to do with marathon running was what does Mo Farah eat? And that's the only thing I ever searched for, right? Seriously? And I was, I, was, I, was, I was elated to find the answer then, uh, the various answers then. Um, just let's talk about nutrition. Let's talk about eating. Let's talk about what, what tips, what takeaways, what hacks can you give people listening to the podcast just about eating well, about eating healthily? Uh, and one of the questions that I didn't even ask for questions to yeah. pose to you, but people heard I was interviewing you and we got loads of people saying, what do you eat on cheat days? So first of all, yeah. let, let's start with, a pretty healthy diet that we could get involved in with ourselves and then then take it uh, off piste a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. And I think it's really important to us to understand it. And I, as you said, like talking to you through uh, the radio show now, kind of get me a little bit understanding. And it's about finding balance. I'm not one of these people who say, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. I think within balance, it's okay. And, and that's how I, you know, that's how I, apply my food and everything else within balance obviously you know if i've got an important race then you know you eating well you know weeks before and just getting that healthy routine but occasionally yes i do my treat myself yes i'll have lots of sweet stuff how many sugars do i have in my tea three um <laughs> <laughs> three so yeah it's not and it's it's one of the things when you're running as much as putting in as many miles as you can each day you can afford to eat more and a little bit more calories, if that makes sense. Because yeah. you, if you run 10, 10 miles or 17 miles a day, then, you know, that's over, what, 1,000 calories easily or 2,000. I, I don't even count my calories, but I just try and eat for myself, eat, try and eat healthy, like 
you know, it's that pasta, rice, chicken, vegetables. Uh, what did I have yesterday? We had um, roast chicken in the oven. We had some carrots. We had some rice. Had some peas, and yeah. So and and salad. Um, and often we will have like like lasagna in the oven. Some salad. Uh, some rice, salmon. The other day we had to have salmon, a uh, bit of pasta. So it's a combination between carbs and protein, and and and, and vegetables. So it's not su- so it's not super scientific the way you eat at home. You're not a pain in the ass. No, I'm not. I'm pain unless you put a sticky toffee in front of me, then we're in trouble. Because oh. I, I don't know when to stop. <laughs> That's. That- <laughs> No, but it's because it's interesting because because you're very precise about some things and then you're you're not not as precise as people might think. I might think about other things. That that's the way it is. Because the, in a way, I suppose, because we don't do what you do for a living, we think, oh, there must be some kind of not you know quick fix. There must be, but it's not. It's just about hard it's work. Not, it's, it's about not. walls and walls, bricks and walls of hard work. Yeah, you got to put in the work and go and keep laying, keep laying, and you know. It's not like, oh, yeah, Mo has a special food early morning. Yes, some mornings, if you feel great, you, you know, you put the porridge on. If uh, This is the only tip I have for you or anyone who's doing longer run. If you've got longer run on a Sunday or stuff like that, try and have like a bit of porridge, uh, some banana, cut up a bit of fruit, fruit in there, um, and eat it like an hour before, an hour and a half. It depends how each stomach tolerates. For me, I can eat 20 minutes before I go for a run. It doesn't affect me. Some people need an hour. Some people need a couple of hours. But something have just like slow release energy. And what what about coffee and things like that? Yeah, I'm a coffee addict. <laughs> uh, oh, this goes, this, goes pre- against, yeah, yeah. this goes against all the articles in every no. magazine I've ever read. Coffee. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't live without coffee. Every room in my house, not every room, but mostly you got downstairs, upstairs, yeah, yeah. and then and then in my man cave, I've got a coffee machine. Got this espresso thing, and you put it down, dumb, off you go. And often, even when I was racing, people forget. Yeah, I was taking coffee bef- even before race, like twenty-five minutes before, an hour before a race. Often, uh, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll take caffeine tablets uh, if I could, and another thing we'll take um, espresso. We'll just go, you know, make it up before the hotel before we left. Put it in a little cup, take a cup, before I warm up, have it. Coffee's the way forward. <laughs> Coffee's the way. You should definitely bring out a coffee shop or a franchise or something like that. Oh, I would... imagine one more coffee. You would you turn in it? One more have a coffee. Little chat. Yes. Have a, have a little chat about running, about people meet up and nice coffee shops. Have you thought about that before? Have you just come up with what? Yeah, yeah. One... No, I'm definitely thinking. Yeah, what, one more coffee. <laughs> I'm in. I'm, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll be an investor. Just tell me. Seriously, yeah, I've, got, I've got some stuff for us. One mo coffee. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. How many coffees do you have a day? Five or six. Well, is it five or is it six? Come on. Um, I'll, I'll probably say five. Five. And wh- it depends. So what, what does double count as one or two? Two. <laughs> okay, well, well, I have double in the morning. Right. And then before I run, I have double again. Right. And then, the, and then in the afternoon, I'll try and cut off by 4.30. Yeah. So I have six. Right, because coffee's got a massive half-life of 12 hours. You know about that. I know, but when you've got four kids, you you're, you're, you 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 have no schedule, mate. And now with no school, you're kidding I know. me. Tell me how that. I've... We're like, hey, I know. hey, I know. hey, hey, hey. Can you t- talk to, to us about pain? About what's the, what's the most pain you've felt 
um, in your running career? Would it be in training or would it be in a race? And is it easy to cope with in a race yeah. because there's a finish line and there's a massive motivation there? Well, how painful does it get? And, you know, because, you know, you've stubbed mm-hmm. your toe on the bed in the middle of the night. You've been to the dentist this morning. Yeah. You know about other kinds of pain. We don't know about your kind of pain. Can you give us a, an insight into what that's like? Yeah. I'm always in pain and, and it, you you only pain a short amount of time. Like when you do interval session, I'll just give you an example. When I, when I turn up at the track, um, I do like good three mile uh, tempo and then you come back on the track and the coach makes you do six times 400 meters and then it gives you a long recovery. And then the last two, you're going as hard as you could. And then you get lactic where, you know, your body can't move. And then, but he's giving you six minutes and you recover and you go back again. So that's okay. But the most pain I felt for me was on the long on the long run. After my long run, I went for I think good twenty, I think twenty four miles in I remember in Ethiopia. Uh, was it a couple of, a couple of years ago? Uh, when I was last year, no, two years ago, Gary. So um, went out for Ethiopia, twenty four mile run, and it was so hilly. And I, I think when I get to twelve mile, he wanted me to pick up and go as hard as I could, and I did. And I finish, and then as soon as I finish, I had massive stitch. I had it for over six hours, and, and we were stuck in the car. The traffic was so bad, so it took us like three hours to be able to get back. And I remember the whole time I was just holding my stomach, back of the car going, Ugh. and then going to my room, going to my hotel. And at that point, I was just like, "It's like you need to eat something. I can't eat something. I can't eat. I can't eat." And you couldn't eat anything. And I just remember getting up in the evening, late evenings, and slightly to feel better and better. But it's because, you know, you have to push yourself to that if you want to achieve anything. And to compete with these guys, no one's going to go, yeah, I felt a little bit of pain, it's okay. I just, that was enough for the day. You have to. But then it's weird because you know what the person's capable of and the coach, if, I, if he didn't think I was capable of, he wouldn't push me to that level. But he knows he just needed to, to push me to that level because of during the race and everything else. That's why I have to learn. I, I know I've been in this pain. So when it comes to the race, when you get little parts of that pain, it's okay. You've done it. Yeah. Wow, it's so interesting. Um, when you get up in the middle of the night for a comfort break or, you know, for a midnight pee or whatever, <laughs> do, do, you, do you creak then? Do you, do, are there aches and pains then when you get out of bed? Not, not right now. When I'm in training camp, uh, yeah, there, there is that. When after a certain amount of time, like I've been there for a month or just over a month, where you build, 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 and you kind of get into great shape where you feel at night you get up and your feet are just on fire, just burning. Yeah. Not burning because of it's hot. <laughs> it's burning because of just... The work you're putting on your muscles is kind of all aching, and then you like. Yeah. And is it mostly in mostly in the Ma- feet? Mostly right? my feet. Normally you always feel it yeah. at the bottom of your feet and and a little bit of tight calf and hamstring. Nothing else, because your body you you know you do weights and you condition yourself with the core everything else. So I feel like my, my upper body is strong, but it's just mainly my feet and legs. Have you ever thought about barefoot? How close have you come to barefoot? Now, I've never tried barefoot running because obviously, um, I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm an ambassador for Nike and Nike invented Nike Freeze. So often in the gym, I'll wear the Nike Freeze. Um, but before the Nike Freeze came out, 
and I'm showing my age here. In 2001 or 2002, we were in South Africa and often we would go to South African Potsdam to train. And they had this lovely grass, grass track, and it was so soft. It would almost remind me like a golf course. And often athletes were doing sessions, so often we would take our shoes and our off because we heard barefoot running and we did a little bit. But that was, God knows, I don't even know how it felt. I don't remember even what I did yesterday, but <laughs> it was that long ago. So barefoot running might be advantageous for one or two races, but you just couldn't keep it up for your whole life. So you need the support. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. You, no, you need the support. You need to go off your dorsiflex, off to the ground as quick as you can, lift the high knees, and that's how you run. If you look at sprinters, what happens? Dum, dum, dum. And similar things when you middle distance, it's different. You've got to give it, go off your toes as quick as possible and, and you know, move forward. In the marathon, I think it's, it's a little different because you've got the whole whole foot on the ground. So um, when you coached, Joe Wicks recently, yes. so he wanted to get Wicksy. his P- <laughs> he wanted to get his PB for five k under twenty minutes, and you were somewhat successful. Can you tell us the story about that? Yeah, um, Joe is a good friend of mine, and um, he went to Mary's University, same as me, and you know he's, he's doing amazing, and uh, it's, it's great to see what he's doing and, and getting kids active and stuff. And we we're lucky we met at the uh, sports soccer uh, uh, UNICEF soccer aid. So we met there, we kept in touch, and then he sent me a message. He said, mate, I've been trying to fake 5K. Do you think you can help me go for a run? I was like, mate, yeah, I'll do that. And then we were supposed to meet like a couple of weeks ago and, and it didn't happen. And, and then when it finally came, I was like, and he was really nervous. And he was like, mate, it's possible to break 19 minutes. I said, yeah, yeah, anything's possible, pal. And he was like, mate, you sure you can? I can. And it's like, what do I need to do? What do I need to wear? I just said, don't worry, listen, I'll meet you at the park. I'll mark up this course. And we might, we might, we marked up, I marked up this 5k because often I'll do my session there, so I know exactly. So I marked up, da da da, and I told him, break it down for him. I said to him, said, when do you get to that mile? I don't do kilometers because kilometers go too much. So I'll tell you each mile mark. So all you've got to do is just have a good three miles. Don't need to think about five times beeping every k. And he's like, yeah, yeah, cool. What pace do I need to go? I said to him, just need to go 6.17 per mile, and that will get you uh, 19 minutes. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. And then, and then we started off, and I can see we're going a little bit hard for the first 800 meters, and, and as we go through, and and he's like, do I need my iPods, AirPods and stuff? And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm going to talk to you all the way through. I'm going to talk to you, get you through. Don't worry. <laughs> and then we go through, go through. I'm talking to him. And you can see he was working hard. After one mile, he stopped talking a little bit. But he kept checking out his watch. I said, don't worry about the watch. Just, mate, just head down. This is the next mile. It's going to be hard. This is where the pain is. If you get through this mile, you got it. You got it. And just keep encouraging him. And, I, and, and we went, I think, the last mile, he ran 5.45, knowing he wanted to run 6.17. So he ended up running 28, I mean, 18.45, which is incredible to see someone from there just give himself a target and, and to, get, to get to do that in that short period, you know. It was incredible, but it was just nice to help out because it, and he was over the moon about it. And I was just telling him the night before, what do I need to eat? Just eat plenty of food. It doesn't matter. Some people think, I can't eat too much tomorrow. I've got a race. No, eat as much as you can tonight. As long as you're not carrying that food to the line, whatever, you get rid of it at some point, innit? <laughs> yeah, and also if it's about, you worry, if, if that's going to make a difference the night before, you just haven't put the work in, have you, in the months yeah. before. That's the difference, I suppose. No, that's the difference. Yeah. And I think sometimes mentally we 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 do find it hard and people do find it hard, but how do we make them people easier for them? Yeah. That's the, that's the question. And are you available now? Can people hire you out to, to pace them? I've heard this is a thing. 
<laughs> yeah, just said, yeah, I'm available in Ethiopia. 10,000 feet. <laughs> No, but I heard you were doing it virtually, or is it is, is it for mates, rates and things? No, like no, I'm not doing that. Why do I need to get a new app back? No, no, well, pace. I was just going to say, it's so cool. Um, so let's talk about you being extremely fit again and being in tune. So you, you have been more <clears throat> in tune with nature because nature is who we are, and mm-hmm. biomechanically especially, of course, psychologically as well. Uh, and the two things have dovetailed as far as your training is concerned and your dedication is concerned, your commitment, your energy, your focus the understanding and support of your family and all those things. And I know that you're a man of faith too. Now, oh, yeah. when, you're, when, you have, when you have become as elite and as polished as a, a human being as you can, do you, does, how, how, not godlike, but how close to godliness does that feel? How close to purity is that? Is there some kind of connection between your faith and your fitness? Because, you know, I'd like to know, it seems like you're flying sometimes. And if you're flying, you know, and it's beautiful to watch, your form, your mm. function, it's, mm. it's, 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 you know, it's a work, you are a work of art when you're in flow. You are, you seem to be at one with nature. And if you're at one with nature, you're at one with the world. And if you're at one yeah. with the world, you're at one with the universe. And who knows what comes after that. Can you speak to that for, for us, please? Yeah. You know, it's important to have the faith and to believe in. And, you know, for me as a youngster, you know, I've always had religion in my life. And I, I kind of never made it complicated, but just knowing, you know, we all purpose of just making it simpler, but at the same time, just doing the best that you can in every day. That's what counts for me. Did I do better than yesterday? Yes. Am I trying? Am I trying my best? And that's continue. And that sometimes that helped me to calm down and just to focus on each day as it, as it comes rather than, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. I think sometimes we all in ourselves, if you notice, have that pressure. And I think having something to believe, it makes it easier for you to just, you know, have that and, and, and just do what you need to do. And I get, I'm, I'm a strong believer, you know, no matter what, it's all just, the t- it's a test for us what in every, everything we do in life. And nothing's supposed to be easy. But, you know, you're not going to get a challenge that you can't handle you can and when you're in flow and and full flight do you feel like you're getting help from somewhere else no i do and i I believe everything happened for a reason and then do that but you know it you are you are blessed you are you have given something i don't know what it is something different (laughs) because you you know it's only you who's achieved this and and, and, then how you know your life was there to this and to come you know, obviously something about the same time, you know, don't forget that. Don't forget where you, you know, where you come from. You know, don't think you're bigger than anyone else just because you've got four medals under your belt and, and you've got title of the queen. It doesn't make me any better than you. It, and often I think sometimes we all get carried away in a different way and we have to behave different. No, we don't. Why? So you sound at peace, and you are at peace. I know you are a, a peaceful human being, you know. Yeah. But you have been challenged, you know, over the years more recently, um, perhaps most more than, you know, um, in the last 15 or 20 oh, years. <laughs> so bearing in mind everything you've just said, you know, I think the key to to being useful to yourself and to everybody else in the, in the world is to to give yourself the space to respond as opposed to react. Have you 
have you have you ever yeah. reacted and afterwards thought? Can you yeah, talk talk to me about that? Please? Oh, I won't say the incident, but I did her acting, and I think there was an incident in oh, on Twitter one time, and I reacted, and it wasn't the right thing. But at that point, you're like, that's a lie, and and I think often, and you learn about yourself. You can't. There's no point. We say you're not going to make any bad. You might feel better that short amount of time, but you to you to react straight. It, it's so. It, it's not nice. It, it felt nice to you because that's automatically what you do. If you saw your kids right now and one of them did something wrong and that was a wrong thing, what would you do? You would react. And then it's again, it's vice versa. As a human, you got someone else and someone else did something wrong. You react. But, but it's harder to react because of who you are, if that makes sense. Because you are role model to so many people and stuff like that and people see you differently. You can't do that, and you kind of understand it. But if for me, in the way I see people, it doesn't matter who they are, what they are. We're all the same. I don't care what colour they are. I don't care what they do. I don't care what the religious they are. Are they nice? Are they okay? Are they, are they kind to you? Are they normal to you? That's what counts, and I think a lot of us do carry away over something else and imagining you have to look like this, you have to sound like this, you have to do this. We can't do that. No. And I think that's how I see it as, as my life and see my kids. What do I teach my kids? What What's important? So that incident, when, when that incident rather, when whoever did whatever they did, and I actually don't know what you're referring to, and I don't want to know, but that that did you a favour. Again, it did you a favour, I suppose, because it, it, it made you check yourself. Yeah, it did, yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, I'm a big believer in things. We test you, yeah, to test you, to see it. And to see what you're doing. And then maybe it was a test to learn uh, and to understand as early on. It's funny though, isn't it? Because the karma in that is somebody who meant to, to harm you or to, to disrupt you in the moment or, you know, to hurt you has done you a favour. <laughs> the joke's on there. Yeah, I it, love it that. it did. But at the time, it didn't yeah, look I it. Know, you were like, oh, and everyone's going, no. Just because, you know, so, you have so much more, you know, people within your channel, if that makes sense, and, and in different areas. So you have a lot, you engage with far more. Yeah. Than you did. So in a way, it's like, shouldn't have done that. Would have been worth it. How many people would have seen it? Yeah, and there's a whole other conversation going on. And there's a thousand people having the conversation for you and you don't even <laughs> want to have it yourself. And then you get drawn into it and you go, oh, what did I do that for? Yeah. Can we talk about breathing? Breathing is a huge big deal for me. I've just sort of discovered it. I mean, obviously, apparently I've been doing it since I was born, but I've not been doing it correctly. And I've just sort of learned how to have the benefit of breathing. Uh, what do you know about breathing? For me, I think I was just naturally come with it if that makes sense I've, I haven't changed anything over the years in my breathing um, but I, I go out my nose breathing through your nose and then out your mouth and then just kind of just nice deep I don't go often when I'm tired in the middle of the session then I will take a big line, big you know big breath and go suck it all in and just let it out rather than not one go just nice and slowly so you, you basically, what you're doing, you calming your body down. Because often, when you're training so hard or high level, the, the body's getting stressed, getting stressed. The more stressed it is and more tired it is, the more lactic it gets. So by you breathing and yeah. just calming it down, it just gets in a, a flow, similar thing to your heartbeat. If you, if, if you run around now, your heart's going... Dun, dun, dun. If you just kind of walk slowly, it's, 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 in, it's in certain beat. And then when it's normal, it's that normal pulse. So in a way, that's what I've been taught to just kind of your breathing, just calm it down. Don't go. I, I remember there's one guy I never forget. He was a 1500 meter runner, Austrian guy. 
Uh, I can't even remember. And I remember he's run really quick. He's run like, I think, 3.34. And he had the most weird, awkward style. But at the same time, when he was breathing, we'd just go, every, every like, few seconds. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm letting the bad air out. I'm like, this, what do you mean? Well, they say, I mean, apparently breathing is a lost art, you know, um, and the, the whole thing about this, the theory is that if you if you make your exhale longer than your inhale, then you will slow your heartbeat down. So if you breathe out more carbon dioxide than you breathe in oxygen, that is a yeah. good way of slowing your heartbeat down. Your heart rate, your your resting heart rate is 30, low 30s? <laughs> I don't know, Chris. It must be. I love the fact you do yeah, it's like 32 or 33, I would imagine. Yeah, like I know when I'm working hard, what the max is. Because yeah. often, you know, you you wear a watch and it gives you the heart rate. And over the years, you know, you start to understand more. I know when, my, when I'm running, it's like between 1, 140 and 156, a steady run. Right. And then I know when I'm going the hardest, it's between 180 and 189. Wow. See, if I if I see one eighty on any machine involved with, you know, my physical, uh, <laughs> I'm like the exertion. I'm like, no, I got to, I'm going to have a heart attack any minute. I'm probably not, but you get up to one eighty nine. Yeah. But it, wow. I'm one of those things. I strongly believe it's not about the heart rate. It's about yeah, it is, and it gives you indication. But not everybody's the same. I remember this one athlete, um, Rob Denmark. I think uh, remember he's a British runner. And his heart rate was ridiculously low. Like when he was going as hard as he could, he was at 130 or even less. But then you can see him, he, then he's, you know, he's going as hard as he could. So that means when you're going as your hardest, you are producing lactic acid, which means, you know, yeah. your muscles are going to get tired quicker. So when, when you do that, so often like people go, like say, I'm going after the bus. You pace yourself and you're like, the bus is right, come, it's about, it's about to leave. You sprint. At that point when you sprint, you went so hard, you went as hard as you could, so you started losing lactic. So when you get in the bus, you're like, and that's the difference. And he would go in hard all the way through, and it was 1.30. See, the difference between you and I, well, there are many, of course, but here's one, as far as our pulse is concerned, is for me to, for me to exert the relative energy uh that you exert i would have to take my because my resting pulse is about 70 yeah. right so your yours is low 30s up to high 80s yeah. right which is six times right so i would have to be at my pulse rate would have to be at 420 beats per minute to 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 equal whatever's going on with you <laughs> far too much isn't it no that would that yeah that wouldn't be good no. that would break the machine i would imagine <laughs> uh, so and um, what should we talk about now? Uh, let's talk about um, Roger Federer. Ooh. Right? Have you met him? Yeah, I have. He's got he's got what four sets of twins. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Between us, yeah, mate, we, we can, can repopulate the planet. Should we do that. So this, well, at least we'll have a good team. So you got yours, the DJ, you know, media, everything else, TV stars. Yep. Got Roger Federer, tennis, and then yep. for me, uh, just yep. run around circles, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. But the, the reason Roger Federer has, has lasted so long, you know, one of the theories, and I, I, I sort of subscribe to it, is the fact that even though he obviously he loves tennis yeah. and tennis yeah. loves him and he's completely dedicated to it, 
it isn't the be all and end all. He's he's got a very happy family, and his family go on tour with him whenever they can. You know, and he's a dad first, and he's a tennis player second. Um, there is this theory that if you excel at sports or or anything in life, actually. Um, there isn't really what matters, i.e. other people, people that you love, you know, kind, kindness, compassion, mm-hmm. joy, uh, respecting yourself, respecting the world we live in. The, the highs you're looking for will, in fact, peter out and won't, stamp, won't, won't give you what you want. And ironically, if you have this other thing called family yeah. or, you know, another life, a real life, then you can sustain your career for longer because you're never let down by it because you really get your, you really get the gold when you go home. That's the real gold. Do you find, are you, are you finding, do you, you recognise that yeah, in no, your own no, life? I, I agree and recognise that. And over the years, for me, yeah, it's not like you planned it to do certain things and you start with kids and you go da da da. No, but if you, for what you said and try and understand what, what you're saying, yeah, it's true because often you can keep you're running and stuff separate to your family. So, for example, you're this runner and you're amazing and you go through whatever, you win medals. That's on that. And then you come back home and you live a normal family life, your family involved, they're aware of perhaps. But, and then often, you know, when you go and race, they, you, you're excited to you take them. Obviously, you are worried about it if they can make it safe or who's going to look after them or something else. But at the same time, it makes it easier, I think, in my opinion, uh, to have that when you're running where you could be that man and then you come back home, you could be a nice family man and, and be you and as well as have them involved because often, you know, like like now I, I'm a, I am away in training stuff, but then they know what I'm doing. Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Because when you're younger, you think, well, you know, if I engage in anything more substantial than, than my job, my career, my passion, it's going to take away from it. But in the long run, it doesn't. It, no. it underpins it. Yeah, but also it, it makes it easier. <laughs> It does. Well, it makes me, it easy. Anyway. Well, it makes it easy to, to do it for longer because it's yeah. not the it's not the be all and end all. And also, the, the, as good as it is, I'm sure you know winning gold in uh, Beijing and London double doubles. Of course, you know it's nothing compared to having a right laugh at a kitchen disco on a Friday night at home with the kids. Nah, nah. oh my kids, what? Oh my kids makes me laugh every minute. <laughs> like we're, we're, some of the stuff comes that they come up with, and you're like, just yeah. different. You you could, you could you forget for that moment. Where you are, you just see that, and then like next morning you wake up, obviously you you got to go and run and do stuff. But they make you forget about it, so you're not even thinking about it. Because sometimes us thinking about something too long, it's not the best for it, if that makes sense. Because we, at that point, you're thinking and spending far too much. It's more complicated. No, it is. We do make it complicated, but you're you're very good at making it or, or keeping it keeping it simple. It's like keeping warm, isn't it? It's better. It's yeah. easier. Lee Westwood once said to me on a golf course, "It's better to keep warm than get have to get warm, and it's better yeah. to keep it simple than have keep to un- unravel it." You know, Just, has it ever become really complicated for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like where you do certain parts, where you, you know, you, you, I don't forget. You, you you don't take stuff for granted and things happen, but at the same time, where you know, where you have to train and then you have to do an appearance here, you've got to do a TV show, you've got to do certain things and, and it comes with a lot of this stuff and that would not change anything. But at that point, you're like, oh, it'd be easier if it just, just happened or, you know, you went out somewhere with, with, with your wife and just easy relaxed and, and you just sat quietly and nobody knew and you're just cracking up and just be you and then sometimes it, it makes it harder because 
you don't want to make a tip yourself. You know, you don't make it. You don't want to. Do you know, I'll say silly things because if you say it, it's dumb as hell. So, so in a way, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's so true. So when do you when do you leave? When do you set sail for Ethiopia? Um, I've had my test done, so I'm just waiting for my test result, and then as soon as I get that clear, off we go. And how how certain is it that Tokyo is going to happen? It, is it? I mean, it will. It will. It will. I, I think, from my understanding and, and what I've observed and and seen, if races are already happening all around the world, different Tokyo, yeah, it will happen. And how do you think this will have affected everybody's prep for, for the year postponement prep for all the events, not just just track and field? I think it's affected. So many countries, so many people, particularly young athletes. But in in a way, I've always liked to see things positive in my side, where I say, "Oh, young athletes couldn't make it; a bit too young. At least they they can make it now." And or some people didn't get there quite there, you know, the the the, the time to qualify. At least they they can get it. And certain athletes like myself and other people kind of on the top. Um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, how, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? And you? No, I feel fine. Fine. I'm, I'm fine, fine, fine. No, I'm fine. I'm fine, Chris. I promise. Like, I'm fine. I'm good. It's like you're talking to Tanya. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Come on. How do you really feel about it? I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so funny. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited. I think that's the key. Good. Are you hungry? Are you excited? Yeah, yeah. And then knowing, you know, you've been there and done it, that helps massively. But mainly, you know, it ain't going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be tough. Yeah. And if we were having this conversation a year from now, uh, regardless of what happens in Tokyo, um, and I hope it goes as well as it possibly can for you, I really do, because I think you deserve thank it. Thank you, Paul. No, thank you. Um, what, would, what would you like us to be talking about in January 2022 with regards to the present then and then the future? You know, what, what... one more coffee. My coffee. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> no, you're not joking, because it came to one more coffee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> are we talking coffee shops or are we talking machines or are we talking sachets? No, we're talking about, um, no, no, I'm talking about coffee shop and actual coffee beans. Oh, I love it. Come on. What, what have you done? How far along that particular path are you? Uh, I've got the coffee beans. So the next step is to kind of distribute it. I think that's the key. And it's sort of, yeah. also, the, what's great is that you do love it. You do love coffee. That's I do the, love it. This is the I thing. do love it. One mo coffee. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. So cool. Right, and what else is going on? What's going on with you, Nike? Will you be? Are you married to Nike forever? <laughs> no. How does that work? No, I've I've been a very long time with Nike, and I'm still I am, and I'm ambassador for you know I think next six seven years I think, but not for lifetime. Right, and um, how many pairs of running shoes do you have in your house now? Would you say? I've probably got. Uh, would you call it trainers, like casual trainers or just runners? So running shoes, not spikes. So actual proper okay. running shoes. I probably have got three hundred or four hundred. <laughs> have you got any Air Jordans? Oh, that's or all Jordan I collect. X. That's all I collect. Air Jordans. What did you think of the last dance? What do you think of Michael Jordan's approach? Oh, it's to incredible! His it's incredible to just see what what went through and what went on. Oh. Did you recognise yourself in any of what he what he done? Yes, yeah, a lot of it is like being serious, being like ruthless, being able to make make. Thinking ahead, I think a lot of it. That's what you have to do. I thought it was. I thought it was absolutely amazing. And um, God, what, one other question I wanted to ask you, you about your man cave. 
Um, my man came. The team here, because there's quite a lot of people listening to this, and Mo. Uh, hopefully more oh, when well, it actually goes out, but there's quite a lot of people listening <laughs> now because they all love you. We all absolutely love you. Oh. Uh, just just take us through your man cave. We're going to close our eyes. We've, we've been invited to your house, which we were, by the way. Thanks for that. I know we couldn't come in the end. Oh, no worries. Come in, Chris. Oh. This is the front door. Come on, then tell us. Go past here. Yep. This is the kitchen. Mm. Past the kitchen. Yep. There's a fridge there. Do you want water? Oh, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go through, you got like a little dining room where the kids are there, they can sit. And then there's my man cave. My man cave has my pool, yep. has my medals all around there on the, on the wall, going from 2009 all the way through to 2016 Olympics and then 2017, oh, and also 2017 World Championship, uh, Chicago Marathon 2018. And then there's my treadmill. Most of my run is done now on Mount Swift. Uh, what else? There's a, there's a fan there. Uh, got family pictures just there. As you can see, you've got all my kids, my kids and my mom and my brother. Do you have any yet? Uh, I'm a celeb memorabilia in there. Yeah, I do, yeah. Remember that night where we had the disco? Yeah. That, I, I, I took out that, <laughs> I took out that cup they gave us in uh, the castle. So I've got it with me. What did, I managed to sneak that in. What did you learn about yourself in that particular camp? Because that was a camp of sorts, wasn't it? It was different. No, I enjoyed being in that camp. But at the same time, I didn't enjoy being hungry. But <laughs> it actually, looking back, I think you learn a lot about yourself. But it was it was different because often I've never been that hungry, and I think that cold that was the that, that was the hardest. But then being able to get on well with people and just. You know, to to be to, to meet different people around um, in in different areas, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like for me, it was really sport, whatever. And you got Beverly acting, you got Victoria, you got Vernon, you got you know Jordan. You got different people in different areas. You got uh, uh, G, and I got one well with everyone. Loads of fun, loads of fun. Um, just before we part, Mo, Mo thanks for your time because time is the no worries, most, Chris, mate. It's the most valuable currency in the world. Um, is there anything you want to get out there, by the way, before we finish? Uh, what do I want to get out? Just stay positive. I think to my message all the kids out there, stay positive. I know it's not easy. You know, I've been in that position as myself and not being able to speak, not being able to communicate. It's the most hardest thing and terrifying thing ever. But stay focused and believe in yourself. You know what you can do and what you can achieve. Yes, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to struggle. But, you know, think about the positive moments and we all this in this, this together, for sure. Um... So listen to that advice from your teacher, your you know your your coaches, and put in the work because no one else is going to put in the work for you. You have to put in the work yeah. yourself. Yeah, it's the best, and it's the best way to teach, isn't it? It's for, yeah. for your kids to watch what you're doing, not tell your kids what you want no. them to do. Show the show them, show them what you do, and show make them. It. I know. I, I apart from my son, where he loves football, I'm kind of kind of halfway in that direction, but not coaching him or anything. But in a way, like I, I let my kids be able to say, make that choice. What do you want to? What What's that drive? What do you want to get out of yourself? Where do you see yourself? What, does this make you happy? Does that make you happy? And then kind of just staring them, you know, direct them in the right way. Because often I get the questions: Is your kids going to be as good as you? What do you want it to be? Uh, is one of them really good at running? Yeah, it's a good, great question. Yeah, they are good at running, but they have to. They have to want it. I can't give them. And they have to find their own path. Is that Tanya, mm -hmm. is that Tanya wheeling and dealing in the background? Yeah, can you hear her? <laughs> Sorry. 
I'm just in the office. She's, I love it. I love it. She never stops that girl. She's amazing, so by the way. Tanya, Tanya never stops working. She's always like sorting up my stuff, filing, this, this. Where, where's that? Is it this cupboard? Yeah, she's running the show. I mean, my, my <laughs> wife says the same thing. She says, I don't know why God gave any of you eyes because all you ever do is say, Mom, where's this? It's in front of you, sweetheart. Where's that? It's to the left of you, you muppet. Yeah, no, that's it's hard. Yeah, I, I think we do take it for granted. We we do we do, Chris. We have to be honest. No, we have to be honest. Um, Mo, you're awesome. It's great to talk to you. I love you. I literally love you. Um, I... Take care, but we'll meet up some point when this thing's lift for sure. All right, mate. Lots of love. Have a lovely day. Thank you. All right, take care, pal. Bye. Cheers, pal. Bye. Bye. How cool, how gorgeous is Simone? Mo Farah there, ahead of going to what may well be his last ever training camp, long-term training camp, ahead of the Tokyo Olympics. He's uh, just waiting for the results of his COVID test, and then he's off to Ethiopia. And we wish him all the best in his pursuit for that fifth, hopefully not elusive, Olympic gold medal. All right, this has been How to Wow. Thank you so much for listening. That was episode 33, which means there's 32 more for you to listen to if you haven't already. Oh, and also don't forget to rate and review and subscribe uh, because that really helps. Even if you didn't like it, apparently. All right, ta-da.